Welcome back to the Highwood Health Podcast, and thanks for connecting with us again on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. In this edition of the podcast, Dr. Victor Burnett from the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida, will be addressing the health of your thyroid. Dr. Burnett will discuss a number of issues including thyroid cancer, metabolism, and why women typically have more issues with their thyroid health. Dave Nemo will be your host for this edition of the Highwood Health Podcast. And now it's time to hand it off to Dave for his feature interview with Dr. Victor Burnett from the Mayo Clinic. Dr. Victor J. Burnett with the Mayo Clinic over in Jacksonville on the I-10 corridor is with us here. Dr. Burnett, good morning and thanks for being with us. Good to be on your show. The thyroid is connected to, <laughs> remember the old joke, the knee bone's connected to the thigh bone, but the thyroid is pretty much connected to everything. It's a very small gland. We call it an organ. It's a gland. Which is the preferred and is there a difference? Yeah, really with a gland is what we tend to call it because glands make a substance that then goes out into the body and impacts other organs and such. So the thyroid gland is typically what we refer to it as. And it's a butterfly-shaped gland that sits in the front of your lower neck, right below your Adam's apple and above where your breastbone is. You have interest in all things endocrinal, I would imagine, and of course, thyroid cancer is obviously a topic of discussion in your world. Is thyroid cancer, in terms of the numbers, is it bigger than we think? It's interesting. Thyroid cancer and its diagnosis has gone up. Part of this, we think, is because a lot of people have had small cancers that are in their thyroid that may not even be threatening to their life, but we do so much imaging with MRIs and CTs or ultrasounds to look at our carotids, we incidentally find thyroid nodules. And so we find a lot of these thyroid nodules, most of which are benign, meaning not cancer. But then we do stumble across some small thyroid cancers as well. So the rate has really gone up both in men and women, but we think it's not necessarily more common. We're just catching more because of incidental findings on other imaging done for other purposes. So the thyroid cancer itself is seen on the thyroid or in the thyroid itself physically. Yeah, so it's a little nodule mm -hmm. usually within the thyroid. Sometimes it escapes from the thyroid, but thankfully most thyroid cancer is fairly low grade and people can do well with it. Although there are exceptions where people can have very severe thyroid cancer and even die from it. Luckily, most of our patients can do really well with it. But there also just happens to be a lot of 80-year-olds walking around with two or three millimeter small thyroid cancers that is never going to really give them a problem. So it's kind of an interesting interesting situation. It's probably more prevalent than we realize. Many times it may not end up harming someone, but we need to find the cases where it is growing and potentially going to be more problematic for a patient. Is there a statistical correlation, say, between an older guy, and I'm one of them, an older guy, that may have prostate cancer, and it's like, man, don't worry about it because you're going to outlive that at this point. Is that kind of akin to that? Sure, great analogy. So yes, many times, not always, but many yeah. times thyroid yeah. cancer, it's just like sometimes there is more aggressive prostate cancer that can be problematic. A lot of times prostate cancer is low grade and you're going to outlive it. And it's the truth that most thyroid cancer patients are not going to die of their disease. I don't do this on purpose, Dr. Burnett, but I usually wind up coming up with Dave's dumb question of the day. So let me ask you this. It's a gland. 
glands produce substance that is sent out to the rest of the body. It secretes. If you have cancer in that gland, doesn't it shoot out cancer cells to the rest of your body? Or how does that not work? Yeah, that's a great question. It's interesting. There's different forms of thyroid cancer. The most common form called papillary thyroid cancer. Actually, if it does spread, spreads by your lymphatics, so your lymph nodes and mm -hmm, such. Mm -hmm does not typically spread through the blood. And actually most thyroid cancer, or a good portion of it, is limited to the thyroid and or neck area and can be successfully treated with surgery many times. Sometimes you need additional, something called radioactive iodine, where we are trying to kill cells that may have gotten outside of the thyroid and such. But a lot of thyroid cancer patients, all they need is surgery. Sometimes they only need part of their thyroid removed, like the half where the cancer is and the other half can remain behind. So luckily people can do very well, but we try to individualize treatment of every thyroid cancer patient based on what appears to be going on with them. Well, I want to make another analogy here then, because in the trucking world, we are into geofencing now, where everything is in the geofencing areas. It seems as if the cancer, the thyroid-type cancers are kind of geofenced into that area of the body then? Yeah, I mean, again, there are the exceptions, and sometimes sure. it can metastasize into the lungs or outside, but a high portion of thyroid cancers are low-grade, meaning low-stage, and restricted to the thyroid and or just the local neck region. It's interesting, thyroid cancer, if you get it into a couple of neck lymph nodes, it's not as ominous. You know, sometimes when you hear cancer's gotten to the lymph nodes, it's not good news. And not that it's great news with thyroid cancer, but a lot of times, if it's a small amount of lymph nodes and a small amount of disease, it really doesn't have a negative impact on outcomes as much as might be in other cancers. The thyroid, as I understand it, just from reading some notes and everything in preparation for our talk, Dr. Burnett, the thyroid is sort of like a command module, a control module. It basically sends out messages to the rest of your body. It, it, does it affect every cell, every more organ of the body throughout? And what does it do? Great question. Well, actually, the thyroid is first controlled by the pituitary. And like you mentioned, I'm an old military guy. So I think the pituitary is up towards the brain, and that's kind of the general. And then it sends down a message down to the thyroid from the pituitary that then tells it to secrete thyroid hormone as you need it. And then I love analogies, and this would hopefully work for people that are truckers, although I may butcher a little bit because I'm not an engine specialist. But I tell patients, oil's important for your car, and it's important to have the right amount. You don't don't want too much, you don't want too little, and it's the same with thyroid hormone. You want kind of the right amount, too much or too little can be problematic, and then it goes out and it basically, it's oil for the whole body to function, your lungs, your heart, your muscles, your gastrointestinal tract, your brain, all your organs love to have the right amount of thyroid hormone because it keeps everything working well. Throughout my life, and I'm sure in your earlier life, we always thought everything that happens in the body comes from the brain, the general, as you say, down. But now we're finding out more and more about this microbiome and our gut, and that our gut actually is informing the brain maybe all the time or at least some of the time instead of vice versa. Does the thyroid play into that little traffic flow? Yeah, that's a great question, Dave, and I think that's something that we're still learning about. The microbiome impacts what things are absorbed and stuff, and so definitely, I think in an indirect fashion, there's probably feedback from that to the body by way of the thyroid, 
But I don't know that we understand like direct connections between the microbiome and thyroid very well. There is, interestingly, some reabsorption of thyroid hormones. You have thyroid hormone made, you actually excrete some in your bile, and then you normally reabsorb some of that back into the body. And if that gets disrupted, then that can cause issues, particularly if you're taking thyroid hormone where your thyroid can't accommodate and make a little bit more thyroid hormone. So there's definitely a gut thyroid interplay. And if you don't have enough thyroid hormone, your gut doesn't work as well. The thyroid levels impacting gut function, again, which may impact the microbiome as well. Yeah, you really get into this chicken or egg kind of a loop, don't you, in terms of what's doing what to who and when and why, and did something just change because now it just doesn't make sense anymore. We'll never stop learning about ourselves, will we? No, I don't think so. And the Mayo Brothers who founded the Mayo Clinic, we said one of the glories of medicine is we continue to learn. And no matter where you are in your practice, and I've been doing this for 30 plus years, I continue to learn something just about every day in my practice. So, yep, we have a lot to learn about the body, even though we know a lot in 2022. There's plenty of times where I have to tell patients we just don't quite know why certain things happen, why some people do get thyroid cancer, or exactly we have ideas why they might get autoimmune disease and get an over and under active thyroid as far as in populations and what risks are. But an individual, we can't necessarily say, hey, this is why you got it. We're not that smart quite yet, but we keep working on things. <laughs> we'll get there. Everybody has a thyroid, but it seems, again, from what I've seen here, and correct me if I'm wrong, it is generally associated with women as opposed to men. Is that right? True. So one thing I'll correct, not everybody has a thyroid day because some people have had it taken out and oh, rarely okay. sometimes it doesn't develop. But yes, oh, really? the okay. vast majority of us are born with a thyroid. And you are correct. Women tend to have more issues. We know that women tend to have more autoimmune disease where, again, your immune disease, instead of just fighting off infection, starts damaging tissue within your body. So it's like a little bit like friendly fire on your own tissues and stuff. And that can occur to the point it can make the thyroid thyroid overactive because it can make stimulatory antibodies or it's a funny name called Hashimoto's. It's named after a Japanese doctor in the early 1900s figured out that the immune system was damaging the thyroid and causing it to be underactive. And we know women have more of a predisposition for autoimmune diseases. And interestingly, they also do for thyroid cancer. Thyroid cancer, I'd say, I think the ratio is like three to four to one women to men in regards to diagnosis of thyroid cancer. So there's something going on. Maybe some of this autoimmune related changes. There's also with the hormonal differences between men and women that set up an issue that women have more thyroid disease. Gotcha, gotcha. I got to rewind just a little bit because, yep, you're right. I spoke too soon because I do know you can have that thyroid removed. But what if you are born without a thyroid? How do you, when and how do you find that out? When does that become apparent? Great question. So they figured out a long time ago there are infants that can be born without a functional thyroid, even if they have some thyroid tissue there. Thyroid hormone's essential for brain growth and development. So we actually screen every infant that's born immediately for thyroid. And then if that comes off kilter, additional testing is done. And luckily, we have thyroid hormone. So thyroid hormone actually was first purified by a doctor up in Mayo Clinic in Rochester and used 
initially from animal-derived uh, sources and then later had ones that were made by pharmaceutical companies and such. And so we estimate there are 28 to 30 million people that take thyroid hormone because they have an under-functioning thyroid. Okay, so that's a precautionary test that you give every infant born. I would imagine a blood test, a blood panel? Yeah, you can do a little heel stick mm -hmm. and then just a little spot of blood. And then again, that's a screening test. If that comes off kilter, then additional testing because those reports are given back immediately to the physician taking care of the child. And then they know they need to do additional testing, which can be some further blood testing and stuff. But usually they just do a heel stick on the baby. We've kind of gone through this conversation without saying the word metabolism, or at least not very often, but the thyroid determines what kind of metabolic rate you have, if I'm not overstating that. It influences, it has an impact on it. It's not the only thing that drives your metabolism, but oh, okay. it has an important yeah. role in metabolism. Got it, got Go it, got it. So the skinny guy who just eats like a horse and never puts on a pound, that's essentially his thyroid at work and then obviously other things. But is the thyroid the main player in something like that? It's an important player. I mean, there's genetics and stuff. I think we all have families where you look and you've got a couple of family members who are the skinny ones and the other ones that are a little bit more heavy set, or we have friends or stuff where we can kind of see that. So I definitely think there's genetics involved, but the thyroid definitely plays an important role. And if it's off kilter, can cause issues. And if you have too much thyroid hormone, it can cause weight loss. And if you have too little, again, it can cause weight gain. And if it's just a little bit, off kilter, maybe it's just going to be a small amount of weight gain. If it's way, way off, it can be more substantial weight gain. Although I always remind my patients, some of them have had five pounds of weight gain for many years, and now they have a thyroid issue. They kind of want to attribute it to all that. And I have to point out, well, before you ever had a thyroid issue, you were gaining that much weight. So you got to look at diet and exercise and all those good things. But yeah, very important to have a thyroid imbalance because it does have important impacts on your metabolism. What? Anything but diet and exercise. <laughs> if you start feeling tired, if you have no energy right now, we're going to blame that on COVID and everything. But overall, that may be an indicator. Again, unexpected weight gain or the inability to stand the cold and things like that. Aren't there a few little checkoff things that you might want to be aware of just as a layman to tell your doctor when you see them? Sure. I could direct you also the American Thyroid Association, which is at www.thyroid.org, has some great resources where if you just type in ATA thyroid, it will come up and patient resources will give you a long list. But yeah, for hypothyroidism, and the more symptoms you have, the more likely it's going to end up being thyroid. Meaning if you just have fatigue, well, gosh, there's so many reasons to have fatigue and people have sleep apnea and insomnia and all these other things going on that can give you fatigue. But then if you have dry skin, constipation, we talked about the unanticipated weight gain, particularly if you have a pretty decent diet and exercise pattern and such, and you're still gaining weight, you might feel a little swollen memory might not be okay. But you do have to be careful because a lot of people that have fatigue for other reasons or don't feel well can have some of these symptoms and there's so many issues or so many reasons for being fatigued. But definitely thyroid would be a very reasonable thing to look at and try to see if there's something wrong. But I always tell people, again, going back to the car and the dipstick, if you check the kind of the TSH dipstick for thyroid levels and it looks pretty good, 
probably going to move on and look for other issues potentially. If you're on thyroid hormone, we can talk about maybe you can try other regimens of thyroid hormone, but mostly when the TSH is like mid-range normal, things are okay. And again, and I'm not going to tell truckers how to handle their engines, they know better than me, but if your oil's in the middle of the dipstick, you're going to look at other things on why your truck or your car might be not functioning correctly. So it's a very important thing to check, just like you would check your oil, but sometimes that is the problem. Sometimes it's not. Got it. But you can find that out fairly easily. Yep. Some easy blood tests that can be done. Do you need to ask for thyroid on the blood test? I know you have to kind of ask for vitamin D now because almost everybody is deficient. Some people are critically deficient. But do you have to ask to have thyroid thrown into there? Yeah, so if you have thyroid concerns and if you're talking with your provider and they identify some symptoms that are consistent with thyroid, it's definitely worth adding that. Whether or not one should just always screen thyroid if you're feeling fine is a little bit of a debate. And the United States Preventive Task Force that kind of does research in this isn't convinced that everyone should just get thyroid levels done all the time. But I have a very low threshold and we recommend you have some of the symptoms of too much or too little thyroid hormone. Usually we're talking too little. Sure, check a TSH as a screening thing and a free T4 is good if you're having any questionable symptoms and usually that's going to tell you what's going on. There's a little bit of misinformation out on the internet where it says thyroid hormone levels don't tell you what you need to know. I would say someone who knows how to interpret thyroid levels, they're going to figure it out through your thyroid levels. And so it's a little bit of misinformation out there saying thyroid levels aren't useful. I cannot believe there's misinformation on the internet, Dr. Burnett. If I learned anything at all, that's it this morning. It is what it is. It is what it is. It's fire beware, right? Take a look at some of the magazine advertisements, newspaper advertisements from the late 19th century. We're right back to that in terms of the quackery that's on the internet for sure. We are out of time. I cannot thank you enough for a fascinating discussion. Thank you so much for being with us on the program this morning. Well, great, Dave. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me. That closes out this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast. We would like to take this opportunity to thank you once again for spending part of your day with us on Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Now, folks, you can always find the Highway to Health Podcast through Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo, And let's tell you about a few of the outlets where the podcast is available. You can listen to all of the episodes of the Highway to Health podcast through our website. Or you can subscribe to the podcast through all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search Highway to Health. The Highway to Health podcast is a production of Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo.